positive actions you take today will lead to positive outcomes in the future. I want you to put your thinking cap on and think of your most amazing future. I'll even give you a few seconds. What does that look like? What actions will you take to get there? Whatever it may look like, why delay? It starts today. It's time to Act to the Future, a podcast hosted by me, Jake Johnson. Hello, Act to the Future family. Jake Johnson here with a super exciting guest today. Uh, It's one of his dreams to be on a podcast. So I'm, one, thankful that I get to be the person to help make his dreams come true. But among that, he's going to be a fantastic guest. He has a lot of wisdom nuggets to share with us, and he's done a lot of amazing things. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion today. Alex, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate being here. Definitely. So uh, Alex, uh, he's also part of the EBC gang. So uh, Eagle Brook Church out here in Minneapolis. And I believe that was the first time we met um, at the actual service, correct? Yeah. I've, I mean, I've known about you. I've known about the podcast because of our mutual friend, Sean Paulson, for a while. Um, and then Dane obviously was on the podcast, one of my greatest mentors. So, uh, but yeah, meeting you in person first time was at Eagle Brook. 100%. And I'm just so thankful uh, that John connected us. He, he loves connecting people. So big shout out to, to John Paulson and also Dane Espigard. Quick plug. Last episode of season one uh, was Dan Espigard, and he does the Dreams Workshop, which is something that Alex has done many, many a time. So we will be talking about uh, Alex's experience in the Dreams Workshop, some of the dreams that he's achieved, including one really big one that he's working on right now. And then we'll get into some rapid questions at the end. Uh, But let's get into it. You mentioned you've done the Dreams Workshop uh, multiple times under Dane, and I believe uh, he said you've done you have over a thousand dreams or something like that. Could you just walk us through that process of maybe the first time you've done it and how it's progressed? Yeah, well, the first time I did it, I was eighteen years old, nineteen years old, um, and I remember just sitting down doing the the dreams. It was a dreams retreat, the full two days at that time, and everything, every dream that was set in the room seemed so far out of reach. And so I remember like, okay, like, yeah, I'll write down, buy a house and I'll write down, run a marathon and I'll write down like this. And then I probably left that dreams retreat with 150 dreams. And I bet 70 of them were places to travel. And I was Mm -hmm. 19. So I didn't, you know, and then that year, so 2019, I crossed off four dreams and it was, Pretty like small dream. Buy my buy my own car without taking out a loan was one of them. Help my mom. That's not small. Yeah, <laughs> uh, awesome. used car, nice Toyota um, or Honda Accord, and then I helped my mom finish a kitchen remodel. And so there was like some cool ones on there. Twenty twenty was when I really took the dreams concept and like, I think the pandemic and COVID and like forcing me to leave my college house and back into the environment of my parents house and like living in the basement working in the basement there was really nothing else to do besides i had my dreams list and i had time and so i started that's when i really started actually like pursuing um all the dreams on my list so 2020 is when it really like really landed in my heart and it was something that i started to really go after 
That's awesome because in that time, I think a lot of people maybe took it as an opportunity to to really not slack off, but really relax. Um, and that's not bad if you chose to do that, but Alex chose to view it as an opportunity to cross these all off his list opposed to an excuse to, to lay around and do nothing. So I think that's really cool that you saw that as an opportunity and you made the most of it. And now it's at a point where it's like, wow, I've, I've achieved a lot of these dreams and you got that fire for what it feels like to achieve one. And you built that momentum where I mean, you just continue out in 2021 and 2022. What are some dreams that you achieved in 2020 that you felt like really helped you build that momentum? Yeah, that's a great. So when you started asking about the dreams I pulled up, it, it was a, in a notebook in 2019 and then 2020, it made it into the notes app on my phone. And then late 2021, it got transferred to a Google sheet. And now it's this like, it's this entire workbook of dreams. I've basically turned my dreams list into a, a business plan that I pursue. I have it pinned on my computer and I check it weekly, kind of like it's a like a business plan basically. Yeah. But for my life, um, so 2020, I crossed off 38 dreams and that led to a 2021 where I crossed off 83 of them. But I think in 2020, there was there were some pretty cool ones like travel dreams. 2020 was the first year I really traveled a lot, which sounds kind of backwards because it was COVID and travel like wasn't happening, but it, I mean, I traveled to Arizona. I traveled to Colorado, visited my brother in Arizona, my cousin in Atlanta, my sister in Colorado. Um, so I was like, I was out exploring. Um, that was really awesome. I ran, a, I ran a marathon, which I think we'll, we'll talk about a little bit too. I opened my own business for a summer as part of like an entrepreneurial internship. Um, that was when I really found my faith was in 2020 that was a dream on my dreams list. I'm just looking at my list. That was the year I kicked my habit of biting my fingernails. That was the <laughs> year I, first time I donated $100 in a year, bought Apple stock, went skydiving. So bought Lululemon, apparently was on my dreams list. But um, Priorities, right? <laughs> I think it was like a combination of the big dreams and then also just the really small ones. And that that was the year that, yeah, I really did like start this momentum of my life's a game. How many dreams can I cross off type of thing? Definitely. And I like how in the examples you listed, you had some really big ones, but you had some really small ones. And by putting it on your dreams list, it probably gave you, you were probably more grateful for that. Like, uh, for example, the Lululemon, you know, if, if you're buying Lululemon, it might, you know, it feels great in the moment, but that might, that feeling might fade. But since it was like a dream of yours, you probably appreciate that Lululemon that you have a lot more because it's not just uh, you know, some clothing at that point, it, it's kind of like a, a milestone. Totally a milestone. That's, that's actually probably my favorite part of the dreams list is having milestone habits that are on there and having ones that seem so far away. And then like what I do now with my dreams is like example, a dream where it's like create $10,000 a month passive income. Um, and then I, I'm, when I write that down, it's like, wait, 10,000 a month. Okay. Here's a dream. $5,000 a month, a thousand dollars a month, which I've now hit. Um, but I don't think I would even put that on there if it wasn't for thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden there's all these small actionable dreams that I can just go chase. So the milestone stuff for sure. Definitely. And to that point, that's probably how you, like you mentioned, that's how you built that momentum. Cause it's not like, oh, it has to be something huge. Like, you build the momentum by hitting that small stuff that it makes it more possible to hit that bigger stuff. Cause it's like, well, I can achieve this and this. So it's just like, 
slowly expanding and it makes it that much more possible or at least in our mind it makes it more possible totally i think it's all about like an identity shift of i'm someone who can achieve like i'm someone who can do hard things i'm someone who crosses off dreams so it's almost like anytime there's a bigger problem now i know that all i have to do is break it down into steps and like cross off the steps and just whether it is something like I'm just looking at my list, like whether it's something like buying stock in Apple or, you know, earning a, a national trip with my company that's, you know, supposed to be really difficult, no matter what, like big or small, it's all about breaking it down. Like, how can I get there? So I think it definitely has created this problem solving mentality and created this game out of life, which is pretty, I mean, has made it really fun. Like it's gamified life in a sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think back to this, uh, I think it was a reel of Kevin Hart and he's talking about the game of life and what's great about the game of life once you reach that one level that you were hoping to get at it, there's another level for you to unlock but you can't be prepared for that next level until you've mastered and unlocked the current level that you're currently on and it goes back to some, some of the best piece of advice I ever got from uh, our director of sales a couple of years ago I was an intern at UPS and I was asking, you know, I want to be an account executive. How can I prove that, that I'd be a great account executive? And he said, best way to prove you're ready for the next step is to be excellent in your current step. Um, and that's sounds like that's what you did. And that's how you built that momentum to uh, achieve more dreams and bigger dreams along the way. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, just anchoring. Also anchoring because I there's that game of life where like once we reach this level of status or this, you know, whatever it is, it's almost like, oh, you know, the grass is always greener. Like, I want to get to the next level. I wish I was in that position. I wish I had what they have. But I think what's cool about having the dreams list and like anchoring myself into my dreams list, there's this overwhelming gratitude of, wow, that was a, a year ago. That was a dream. Like mm -hmm. that was so far out a year ago. And now it's so far beneath me and it's like wow a year ago that was something that I never thought was imaginable so it's it almost anchors this sense of gratitude of like wow life is life is so great life is so like life changes so fast like things mm -hmm. happen so fast so I think that's also been really cool when you talk about like the game of life um it's very anchoring no I, I like how you brought that up because it can be really easy to go like like Jay-Z that song on to the next on, on to the next one like once you cross off a dream, you're you're already ready to go on to the next one, which is good because it shows that you're not being complacent. But also at the same time, if you're always just going on to the next one, not taking time to appreciate what you've actually already done, then it's a, a chasing of the wind. So I like how you brought that up. It keeps you. Um, it keeps you. Allows you to have gratitude for what you've done while also giving you. Um, the freedom to pursue bigger and better things on in the future. Totally. And anybody who wants to create a dream list, I mean, it's pretty simple. You just take, you can take the categories, you can write them down. You can just, here's the cat, travel, adventure, material, career, relationships, health, skills, spiritual, legacy. Like those are the categories I have on my dreams list, but it's as out there as you want it to be, which is cool. Like you literally write down any place in the world. And it doesn't have to seem realistic at all. So, so. Yeah, I remember when we went through it um, legitimately through UPS, uh, most of the stuff 
on that list was like travel, like you mentioned. And there's certain places that I wrote down that I'm like, do I actually want to go? Yeah, why not? Like, I would love to go there. Like, in my mind, I'm like, uh, who knows if I'll be able to hit all these spots. But at least by writing it down, it creates this realm of possibility that I could end up traveling to that place at some point. Yeah, that's what I love about it the most. 100%. You did mention briefly, uh, one we want to talk about is the marathon that you ran. And I think this is a really cool story because it's not just any ordinary marathon. Alex did it on a treadmill. You mentioned he did it during COVID. Yeah, that means 2020, they didn't actually, I mean, you could walk me through it. You know the story better than me, but could you just help us understand uh, that whole process? Yeah, so, it, I mean, it really came from the dreams list thing. So I I crossed off four of them in 2019, and then 2020, I was gaining some momentum. But really, the majority of the dreams I crossed off were after the dreams retreat. So in 2020, I crossed off 38 dreams. But going into the dreams retreat in August of that year, I'd crossed off nine. So it's not like I had this like crazy beginning of the year during COVID. I think it was as COVID was evolving like that, I I started really crossing them off. But the catalyst to all of it was the marathon because I had never run more than a mile in my life before. Mm -hmm. And for those who knew me before, like for those who knew me in high school or even like at the beginning of college, I played football and baseball. That's not, those are not very, you know, endurance does not have to be out of this world to play those two sports. And I wasn't like a superstar athlete or anything. So to run a marathon, I, I would have just never thought it was possible for myself. So I went to dreams retreat in 2020. We sat down, you know, started writing out dreams, whatever. And one that I wrote down for the second year in a row was run a marathon. And I remember Dane forced us to take action on a dream from mm-hmm. your dream to tree. You probably remember that. And at my table, there was a guy named Frankie and he was basically like, well, why don't you just, why don't you start training for a marathon? And I was like, I'm not dude. <laughs> like, dude, I never run more than a mile. He's like, you should totally do it. This and that. So I stood up and I basically just told everybody there. I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. And, and then it's in that moment, you're probably, it was probably like exciting, but also like, as soon as you say, like, oh, crap, now I actually have to do this, right? It was totally exciting because have you ever had a goal that you were fired up about and that euphoria of, like, the shiny new object, right? New Year's resolution yep. type feeling where it's like, I'm going to pursue this. Um, that wore off within, like, two weeks. <laughs> so I, like, I found, a, I found a training plan. I uh, went home. I told all my family. I told all my friends. I told everybody I worked with. So there was this outward accountability uh, about outward accountability that happened first. And then as the excitement wore off, and then as I realized that it gets cold in Minnesota in the winter, which I started training in August, the race was supposed to be end of December. So there was going to be snow. It was going to be cold and there were no races. Mm -hmm. It was COVID. So yeah, I, I trained outside until early November. It got cold and dark. So I moved indoors to a treadmill and then one month it was actually like three weeks into training on treadmills there was that second swing of covid at the end of yep. november in 2020 and our governor in minnesota shut down all the gyms again yep i remember that so then i, I had was to like, drive to hudson just to work out yeah yeah um so then i didn't have outside was not an option there was a snow out all over and then gyms were closed so i was just kind of like well if god's ever gonna tell me to 
to not run the marathon. Is this my sign? Yeah. Like, am I am I allowed to give up now? Like, is this <laughs> like is he telling me I should be done? And I had a couple of great mentors in my life. Um, I was dead set on being done with it. I was like gonna quit. And our great friend John Paulson actually, I, I talked to John. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I was like, and he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you at peace with that? And I was like, yep. I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm just not going to do it. And he said, you know, he kind of like challenged me on it. He's like, I really think you should talk to another mentor of mine. His name is Joe Brady. Um, I think you should talk to Coach Joe first and like really feel this one out. Mm-hmm. And I talked to Coach Joe and he basically challenged me. He's like, he gave me this David Goggins type speech. And he's like, why don't you just do the marathon on a treadmill? He's like, buy a treadmill on Facebook, this and that. Get a treadmill, start training. So where we're sitting right now, I got this treadmill from my aunt, had mm-hmm. one laying around, trained right here. Uh, at cool spot to train. 6 a.m. I got up and ran on this treadmill, watched movies on a TV, um, and I ended up finishing it out. I ended up running the marathon on a treadmill on December 29th in my hometown of Piers, Minnesota, by myself. Uh, it took me four hours, 24 minutes, and... You know, looking back, it's almost like, wow, I actually can't believe I did that. Yeah, but, seriously. Um, dude, there were so many ups and downs. And people, sometimes when people ask me about it too, it's hard to understand the mental battle of a marathon training without going through it. Mm-hmm. The training is honestly harder than the race because… I totally agree. Have you have you run long distance? Uh, I I haven't done a full marathon, but this year I did a half marathon. And I mean, race day, that, that was the treat, honestly, the, the training itself. I mean, I like being outside and running, but just like being consistent with it and sticking to it. It's like, I had to plan my day around this run that I'm going to do. And that's where the discipline honestly really came in. Totally. The training aspect. Totally. Yeah. That was the hardest part for sure. The training and then the winter and then the treadmills and then the like. Yeah, that was definitely tough. But I'm I obviously looking back, I'm so glad that I finished it because it's, you know, made for a cool story. But it also was just another notch for me of like, hey, I do hard things like I can do anything. Mm-hmm. No dream is impossible. Nothing is crazy. So looking back, like I have so much gratitude that I had good people in my life that were like, you're not allowed to give up. And I'm like, oh, are you sure? OK, <laughs> so, yeah, that's story. No, I, I love that because. When pursuing something like that, you're truly challenging yourself and yourself out of your comfort zone. You really don't know how much you can handle until you gave, give yourself an opportunity to push yourself like that. Um, and I give you a ton of credit because for me, the race day uh, for my half marathon made it so much better being able to run with other people because the whole training, I'm running by myself. Whereas race day, you're competing with other people. There's certain people I didn't want to let me pat or pass me or... And then you also have the encouragement of people cheering you on at the end. You did all of that, double the distance in your treadmill with with no one. So I I could definitely understand that mental hurdle going through it uh, because you probably could have stopped at any time. Like, oh, no. Well, I I, I ran 13 miles. No one's going to knock me for that. But you stuck with it. Um, I I will say I had. So, you know, Dane Aspergard. Yep. The morning of the race, he called me. And he, I was like nervous. I was like actually nervous. And he's like, you should set up a Zoom today for your run. And I was mm-hmm. like, really? I was like, okay, uh, I maybe I could do that. So I brought this, I brought a couple of coolers, stacked them up, put opened my computer and I streamed my race. So all day people actually hopped on and like 
held up signs like it was a real marathon. That's super cool. Um, if I didn't do that, I don't think I would have finished because what was kind of cool about the Zoom was like I never knew when someone was going to join. Yeah. So true. if I wasn't on the treadmill when like I don't know like the president of Cutco, Bruce Goodman, yeah, he hop- he like he hopped on at one point. So there was awesome people from like all areas of my life that were hopping on. So like three, four miles in when like all these people, like really important people, family members, like people would hop on and I'd be like, okay, well they're going to hop on until three o'clock. Like I better finish this race. Yeah, exactly. You'd hate for someone to hop on all excited to cheer you on. And it's like, I'm not there Yeah, <laughs> waiting for you're on the ground. Gasping. <laughs> yeah. So that was actually like a really good fail safe that like I wasn't allowed to fail. That and that, when I think about my dreams list and I think about the things that, you know, I've like been able to do and this and that, whatever. I think one consistent thing that I always try to do is almost like I always call it trapping myself into success. So creating these fail safes and um, creating situations where I'm almost like tricked or trapped into being successful, like opening a Zoom so that I can't quit because then, you know, I'd f- I'm more accountable to everybody else. Like I'm more accountable to my word. And I'm to myself because sometimes mm-hmm. discipline is that's hard no matter who you are. Like there's only so much willpower in everybody. Definitely. So I think just having the right people, the right environment. Um, I think that's so important. And I think that's like been the key to like the house I live in now, the people I'm surrounded by. Like, I think that's like, that's been one consistent. That's been really, really important for me for sure. Yeah. And I like that. What did you call it again? Uh, uh, trapping yourself and trapping success. myself into success. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's certain tiny things. I, like, even when I was running the half marathon, it was around the same time I was still coaching AAU basketball. So I, I put a lot on my plate because I'm coaching AAU basketball. I'm still doing Act of the Future, still doing work. Oh, and now I'm training for half marathon. So it was, like, getting to a point where I'm, like, I was ahead of my training, and then I w- fell a little bit behind. One thing I did is I set my password to log into my computer as Stillwater1331. Every time I log in my, well, that was my old password. So you can't steal my password. <laughs> you can't get in. But with my old password, I would do that. So every time I typed in my password, it was a reminder. I'm going to run this half marathon. So that's just like one example I can think of. And I'm not, I mean, I've done that before, but I haven't put a word on it. So I love how you called it trapped by success. You basically set up these, these guardrails that are going to keep you on track for your goals. And I think telling other people about it is definitely one of the most or the best ways to do it. Cause once you tell other people about it, you know, they're going to be asking you about it. And for me, it's like, you know, I can let myself down. I've done it before, but letting someone else down, that's a tough pill to swallow. Totally. Yeah. I always call it PDA public display of accountability, but it's <laughs> like the moment and no matter what it is with me, the moment I start it, I usually try to tell, even if nobody's listening, I don't even care. Like I try to send it in every group chat I'm in like I, I'm my next health goal I'm pursuing is Ninja Warrior, like being an American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, that's and sweet. um, so I just started doing calisthenics so that I can like start moving my body that way and whatever. And I literally my house group chat and then this other group chat of like a bunch of friends that I work with and things like that. The day I started doing calisthenics, sent it to both group chats. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is what I'm doing now, and just like letting people know that that's what I'm doing because. Even if nobody asks me about it, I'm still I still feel accountable to my word. Yeah, and, and that's no matter like the physique comp I did this summer or the work goals that I'm going after or 
even like our EBC group chat of like, hey guys, I'm going to Eagle Brook on Sunday. Like mm-hmm. who's coming with? Well then I better go. Like I have to get up and go. Yeah. So I think the easiest way to trap into success is public accountability. 100%. Um, going off that point, you have a, another goal. Thank you for sharing, uh, you know, your, your experience with the marathon. I love that story. I mean, how many people are running marathons on treadmills? Not many people. <laughs> Uh, my poor knees would be screwed at that point. But <laughs> another uh, big dream that you're working on right now is writing a book. So this would be a, a perfect opportunity for some more PDA. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, so I appreciate the platform. Um, yeah, no, I, I started working with a company named it's Scribe Media. If you, if you know David Goggins, they published his, they helped him write and publish his book. And it's the easiest, it's technically self-publishing. But it's the easiest way to do it because you pay if you pay them to basically guide you through writing your book, and then they do all of the professional editing and publishing, cover all like all that promoting. Um, so I'm working with Scribe, and then they got me a publishing deal with Lioncrest, and the the book originally was about my marathon. So part of the reason that I even finished the marathon was because I was journaling the entire. And that was another way I like trapped myself into success was it was probably six weeks into the marathon and I was kind of like wanting to be done with it. And a great mentor, the guy who invented brain fuel, Colton Horn, we had a little sip before we started. Oh yeah. Quick plug. <laughs> so funky 15, if you want to get some uh, promo code, but Colton, he's like, you should write, you should journal on it and find a lesson every week basically and write a book on the experience because there's so many people that, attempt things like marathons and don't finish and Mm -hmm. you could be like you could have all the lessons in a journal you could turn it into a book it'd be awesome and i was like that's a really good idea so that day i created a cover for my book named it 26.2 the ultimate blueprint to accomplishing your wildest dream i sent it to a bunch of people and i was like hey i'm after i finished my marathon i'm writing this book i sent it to my mom i sent it to dane i sent it to like a bunch of people and and just another example of just like sending it out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I finished and every week of my training, I journaled on this was the lesson from that week, whether it was there's a lot of really good lessons, like when going downhill, veer side to side, like that was a running lesson I learned. But mm-hmm. it was also a really good analogy towards there were moments in my training when I was like my training was falling apart, but I didn't allow myself to completely like I would still go out. If I was supposed to run eight miles, I'd run three just so that I was getting like steps in something. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of lessons like that, that are that, you know, were very, um, they overlapped with running in life. And then when I finished, it was March, I was on a flight to, uh, Hawaii, which is on my dreams list. And I was on nine hour flight. I took my journal entries and I like, kind of like pieced it all together and that was the first time I looked at the lessons and I was really like, this could be a great book and so then i really that's when i reached out to dane i was like how do i get a book like how do i write a book like what do i got to do and that was the first time i really took action on it was was then that's awesome so uh i guess um i think it's cool because you kind of started this journal with the book in mind almost and then you look back on it you're like wow this actually could be a book you know um and now you're also reaching out to other people that have been there and done that before too to pick their brain. Mm-hmm. Cause, um, 
I'm sure Dane gave you a ton of great advice that helps you kind of flatten that curve when doing something new, like writing a book. Yeah. So then Dane had great advice. I was connected with some other people. And then here's what, what I'm actually excited to share to anybody who's listening. That is that kind of has in mind, like, Oh, you know, I'd like to write a book someday. Like, I think that would be cool. That's a cool dream. And even if somebody has a great story, one thing I've learned throughout the process of writing my book, so my book's completely shifted now. It's Mm -hmm. a totally different book, different name, different uh, chapters, like different content. And what it's, what I've learned about, what I've learned about the, in through the book writing process that overlaps with any product, any uh, company idea, any uh, podcast idea is in order to make the most impact and actually reach people, reach a lot of people and for a long time, uh, there's certain, it's almost like a, a formula to a really great book. So the first thing I've learned is that, and this is what I was really excited to share was, um, first of all, if you want to write a great book, I, I learned this lesson the hard way at first. I was like, well, that sucks. But if you want to write a great book that people actually want to read and or just read in general, it has to be based on an idea and not a person. Mm-hmm. And so even though to me, my story of 26.2 is awesome. And like, you may appreciate the story of like, dude, that's pretty crazy. That's still not necessarily a book that people would pick up because it seems like if, if it was me and someone's like, oh yeah, this, you could run a marathon on a treadmill. I'd be like, no, I can't. Like it yeah. doesn't really matter how great the book is. I probably wouldn't pick it up. So the first thing I've learned is whenever it, even like a podcast or something, that's why I think your podcast works really well. It's not the Jake Johnson podcast. It's act to the future. So anybody can be the main character. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole point of it too. Um, you know, I like to act to the future too, but the reason I have these guests like you is because, I don't have all the answers. You have a different experience um, that I don't have that we can still learn from and leverage. Totally. Yeah. So then that's the first thing is like basing the book around an idea. And so the second thing I learned was any type of content, there's four categories it falls in. So there, and this is any type of product too. So there are in life, there are obvious problems and there are obvious solutions. The first type of content or book is obvious problems solved by obvious solutions. That's like, honestly, books like that don't really sell because that is, it's almost too obvious. That's like Gary V content on Instagram or motivational accounts or like really obvious. Like you see it and you're like, oh yeah, like I'm not successful because I don't work hard enough. Yep. Like mm-hmm. scroll. Yeah. That's the obvious, obvious it's thing. It's like you've heard it before. Heard it before. It's that you can't really take action on it. Um, so that's the first like type of book that a person could write or content they could create. That was almost where my book was going to go was like down the, it's about me and it's obvious, obvious, which is just wouldn't be a great book. Mm-hmm. The second type of category is uh, non-obvious or obvious problems with non-obvious solutions. So this is like, have you ever heard of the book Secrets of the Millionaire Mind? I actually haven't, no. Really great book, T. Harvecker. Anybody listening, check it out. It's like my, it's on my nightstand. Um, but that's an obvious problem. The obvious problem is we don't know what we're doing with our money. Non-obvious solution is we don't think like millionaires. Secrets mm-hmm. of the millionaire mind. The only problem with that is it, anybody can take it, use it, and it's not really like it could be anybody's work within seconds. Um, I've taken lessons from that book, made YouTube videos on it, got a bunch of likes. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I thought of that. I didn't say that, but you know, that's mm-hmm. like what it was. The 
the last type of category to that works is a non-obvious problem with an obvious solution. So that's what my book is based on now. It's the non-obvious problem that I'm writing my book on because I'm from a small town, town of a thousand people. And to me growing up, significance felt like it was a bad thing. Like rich people are bad. Successful people are bad. Um, like there was always this belief within me that if I wanted to cross off all these dreams, people from my hometown would look down on me because even though significance is the second highest human need on this, on the pyramid of human needs, it's the second highest right under self-realization. Mm-hmm. Um, it's above every other need. It's above love. It's above um, like physio- physiological needs. It's above almost anything is the f- to feel important. Mm-hmm. And so my book now is, it's going to be, this is a working title, but the title is basically going to be fighting its significance. And then the, something along the lines of like the eye opening blueprint I wish I had as a small town kid. So something along the lines of, um, here's really actionable step. It's going to answer a ton of questions about like, what does it mean to be significant? How do you get there? Like, is it okay to be, um, and even if it doesn't sell as much, or even if it's, you know, doesn't give me as much profit. Now I know that's the book I want to write mm-hmm. because I'm writing it to a version of me from two years ago. Or I'm writing it to, like my younger brother or I'm writing it to yeah. there's like that whole market of small town people that want to be significant, but don't even know where to, to start. Yeah. And I think that's where that identity thing, that identity piece comes into play. You talked about it earlier, but you now you're writing to these people that can relate to your story. Um, Cause you were them and you know, you still came from that background, but you kind of created this new identity out of yourself that, Hey, just because I'm from a small town, doesn't mean that these dreams and goals aren't possible. They're absolutely possible. You just had to have that identity mind shift about yourself. Totally. Yeah, totally. And I think getting, you know, I think getting away from that, from my original town was a catalyst in that because even though they're all really awesome people and I love going home and I love my family and I like, I love my old friends um, that I grew up with and people I grew up with there's just an, there's an identity shift that had to happen. And I might go back there someday, like I might move back or whatever. But I think just that identity shift of I, I am not them, like I am not who I grew up around, I think was a really, really important thing for me to just get away. And I would like, I'm not, I don't ever try to give people advice without them asking for it. But man, if I could just throw advice out there, it'd be like, I don't go to a different city, go to a different state and just Try to see if there's an identity within you that God wants you to find or that like Mm -hmm. you would have never found if you didn't escape what you what 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 felt so normal or what what felt so comfortable kind of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're always in a homeostasis state of comfortability, I mean, it can be easy to just accept this is this is who I am. This is how I roll. Um, But then when you're placed in a new environment. You can't be the same person as you were in that other environment. So you have to adapt. And when you adapt, that's how you can grow. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. That's, yeah, it's really good. Thank you. No, appreciate that. Well, had to cap that off. I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to the book. Uh, could you give everyone a quick plug again? I, I, you still have the title. It's still a working, working title. title. But what, what can people expect as far as next steps? Yeah, I'll be I'll be talking about it on my social medias for sure. And I what I'm really trying to do is start to embody the identity of the book, which is um, I think like there's like James Clear is the habit guy. And, you know, 
uh, like I'm trying to think of other people that own a niche. I don't think there's, at least in my life, like I don't have somebody I can look up to as like, that's the significance guy. So I'd love to really start embodying the significance and insignificance on my like Instagram and on my YouTube and on the podcast that we shoot. So um, yeah, I would just say, shoot me a follow on Instagram and just follow along with the journey, something along the lines of fighting insignificance and, um, yeah, really written to anybody that grew up in a small town or just had that small town state of mind. Really? Well, we're really looking forward to it. Um, on that topic, we're going to get into some of the rapid questions. Perfect transition. We were just talking about uh, a book that Alex is writing. But what books are you reading right now, or would you suggest that others, other people should read? Well, the book that helped me with the reshaping my book, which I think is good for anybody as far as uh, the identity that you that people want to embody, it's called Snow Leopard, and it's really good. It's like a it's a very, it's a very secret book. Um, it's not like written by famous people or whatever, but the book is basically about how you can be the most beautiful leopard in the world but you still blend in with other leopards. Even if they're boring and you're beautiful, you still blend in. But a snow leopard stands out. And so that it's about like being the type of person that stands out, creating a category of one. But it's really good. It's called Snow Leopard. Um, and then, I mean, how to win friends and influence people is like my go-to no matter the situation. I think if, if someone, if people just memorize that book, like it's going to be successful. <laughs> oh, 100%. Uh, and it was written... I think almost a century ago at this yeah. point, and it's still age-old wisdom that applies today. Uh, I remember that was one of the first uh, you know, personal growth books I've read, and I would suggest that everyone should read that because it, it just has a lot of foundational wisdom. And sometimes it seems like obvious, uh, but also at the same time, once you start to read it, like, wow, like, just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's not effective. I try to read it once a year because a, a saying I always like to go by is common sense isn't always common practice. Mm-hmm. And so just like every year in the spring, I usually two years in a row now, I try to read it and then apply as much as I can so that those things become habits in my life. But um, I think honestly, the older the book, like books that were written older, I think I get more out of and apply more because I think they were written purely to provide impact. Whereas some of the newer books that might be really great. I think there's like all these business catches on the backside of it. So mm-hmm. I, I lean towards like seven habits, of highly effective people and richest man in Babylon. Like those older wisdom books are always so good. Cause like you said, foundational. So that's what I love to read those type of books. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, so you heard that how to win friends, influence others. And that snow leopard one, I'll have to check that one out. Um, I've been really thinking about identity a lot myself. I mean, even just today before we, we got here, it was kind of on my mind. So it would be the perfect book to check out. Um, moving forward to the next rapid question. Who inspires you? That's so good. Um, who inspires me? Man, I, I the first person I thought I always think of is Dane Espigard because he, to me, just embodies everything a leader should be. Uh, he was on the podcast, obviously. So if people want to hear more from Dane and just like, Man, that guy embodies so much vision and pursuit of excellence. And he preaches progress over perfection and failures, like failure is one step closer to having a success. And that he inspires me. So he's a family man and he just he has so many business pursuits and he 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 is very vocal about when he fails. And 
I, I think Dane is just everything a leader should be, and he inspires me so much to show up as the best version of myself. Um, so that that's honestly the first person I think of, Dane Espigard. Awesome. And you heard his name here a couple times. If uh, Like Alex said, if you want to listen to that episode, uh, check out Act to the Future uh, Season 1. It was Episode 10. He has gotten a lot of airtime on this episode, hasn't he? He has. I mean, <laughs> it works out perfectly, though. He's a great mentor. Uh, so that's who inspires you. You talked about one of your biggest goals for this year is writing the book. Is there any other goals um, within the next year that you want to share with us? Yeah, I write down I write down my goals every single morning. So I write down my 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. So I, I have a goal in each category, health, wealth, happiness, creative, uh, relationships, work, and health, wealth, happiness, creative, relationship, work. Oh, that's it. Okay, those nice. six. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm working towards, in in my health category, I'm working towards the Ninja Warrior stuff. So just like being more flexible, being stronger. I finished my physique comp this year, so that was a big goal of mine. Congratulations. Thank you. That was, I mean, that took a lot of discipline and time and oh, energy. Sure. A lot of early mornings and later nights and and then a lot of days like just recovering. But yeah, that, so that's like health-wise, I'm working towards that. Um, trying to get my third property right now. Um, really working towards that and trying to make it turn into another Airbnb. So that's really exciting. Um, health, wealth, happiness. I'm trying to learn two songs on the piano by the end of the year. So working towards that. Nice. Um, trying to think relationship wise, really working on my, just like being closer with my family. So something that I'm trying to do right now is talk to five family members on the phone each week. Oh, so wow, that's, call, that's my mom, dad, brother, sister, and then either one grandma or one aunt. So mm-hmm. that's something I'm working towards. And then work wise, uh, we're trying to finish out a, a silver cup. We're trying to be the number one new office in Cutco. So, we, yeah, we're down. It's it's a really tight race. We're like hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're down to we're down by twenty seven thousand with like oh, wow. eight weeks left. So, we're closing the gap. We're pretty excited about that. It's something that like we're really working towards. Um, awesome. But yeah, those are some of the goals for this year and next year the book and yeah some other things. So, thank you for sharing. I like how you broke it up because I I do. I break up my goals in six different categories, and they're very similar to what you have, but slightly different. Um, so I guess moving forward, you talked about you have goals. You write down your goals for not just this year, but years to come. Where do you see yourself in five to ten years? Yeah, five years, I can. I feel very clear about where, like, the direction I'm heading, and I love to uh, break down each category year by year by year by year, 10 years from now. I honestly don't know. 10 years from now, I I want to have a family. Um, that's all I know. Like, I literally don't know where I'll be working. I don't know what I'll be doing. And I don't even, I don't even project my life beyond 2026 because that's like, to me, I can, I can still do actionable things towards each, each goal is really like a stepping stone. So I think about my music or my happiness category this year i want to be able to play two songs next year i want to be able to play 10 the year after i want to write 10 songs the year after that i want to drop an ep and in 2026 i want to drop an album so like but then after album then what like so yeah five years from now in each category i feel pretty clear about like man this is the direction i want to head but 10 years time will tell yeah exactly and uh it's good that you have that i mean i've talked about all the time when you project what you want to be in five to 10 years, you can start to take steps now to help you get there. And I think you, you shared a perfect example with the, the whole music five years. You'd like to release an album or an EP. 
but what actionable steps can I take right now in order to make that or make start making progress, at least start building that momentum to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like 10 years from now, you know, God has a plan, I'm sure. But with the, the smaller ones, like the music thing, for me, I, every, all year it's been my goal is to play two songs by the end of the year. So my standard for myself is I sit down on my piano bench twice a week. doesn't matter how long. And that's just a standard in my life is I'm going to sit on the piano bench two times this week. Sometimes I'll play for two minutes and sometimes I'll lose myself for 45 minutes. But that's kind of a way that it's been easier for me to pursue goals in a lot of different areas is having some standards that I can just like always fall back on. Um, and then anything extra is just, you know, bonus. 100%. Kind of like you said with when you're training for the marathon, you're like, well, I'm not at least going to get out. I would love to run eight miles like my training plan's telling me to, but hey, Three miles is better than no miles. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Moving forward, uh, we have that was we have one last question. So we've shared a lot of wisdom nuggets here today. So thank you, Alex. You were a fantastic guest. This has to be one of my favorite episodes. Um, just with all the wisdom nuggets we've we've been uh, snacking on today. <laughs> but um, reviewing everything, is there one? last thing you'd like to share with all of our listeners maybe a message that you haven't got a chair a chance to share yet or maybe something we've already talked about and you just really want to emphasize it man yeah i'm actually glad you asked that one thing i always like to share with people when i think about um what is probably the most freeing thing for me in the pursuit of my dreams and relationships and things is that something that i take a lot of pride in in kind of in might sound weird at first, but something I take a lot of pride in is that I am very comfortable uh, with my own death. So it sounds kind of dark, but like I am totally comfortable talking about like I will. Yeah, I'm going to die someday. And I think I mean, I, it is a fact, right? <laughs> totally. And it's very for me, it's very freeing. So I love to say like, yeah, I'm going to die someday. So are you. We all are. So I think it's when the more comfortable somebody can get with the fact that like the, this life ends. I think is a very freeing thing to think about, to talk about, to write about. Like, okay, well, if I'm going to die someday, like, what what do I want to do today? And I think that frees a lot of the judgment from other people. And I think it frees a lot of the, like, this feeling of constraint to, well, I have to be who my family thinks I should be. And I have Mm -hmm. to be who these people think I should be. It's like, we're all going to die. So that's something that I've gotten very comfortable with over the past couple of years is like, Hey, this life ends. And if somebody's a believer, then well, great. This life ends and we all get a hotel suite upgrade. We all get to go up to, you know, the top floor and live a much better life. And even if somebody's not a believer, well then, Hey, that's another reason why you should live even more full out. Because if you don't believe you get another life after this one, well then you better make the most out of this life. So yeah, seriously, I like that. Either way, like, like if somebody believes that this is, there's a period or a comma after this life, like either way, this one's over. So might as well live it full out and everybody's life ends. And I just think that's something that's been really freeing for me and a, a realization that's really helped me to understand that, Hey, whatever pursuit is on my heart, that's what I'm going to pursue. And I'm not going to pursue it for anybody else. I'm not going to pursue what other people want me to pursue. Like, I'm just going to do what I, I want to do. Um, I think it's just made me like a better person and it's like allowed me to impact more people. And I think it's just made life more fun. So I think that's probably number one thing. And then the number two really quick thing is, um, 
in life, we, we get pain and pleasure. That's like inevitable. Yep. And what I always try to explain to people is you either, you can either choose your pleasure and then get the pain as the byproduct, or you can choose your pain and the pleasure is the byproduct. So the mm, easiest example, like easiest example is you could stay out late on a Friday night, get the euphoria, go out to the bars and whatever. And then Saturday hungover, don't get a lot done, aren't productive that day. That's a great don't feel good that next day. Totally. Don't feel good about maybe some choices you made. Don't feel good about like just like your physical body doesn't feel good. That's a great easy point to be like pleasure, pain. Mm -hmm. There's also the opposite where you could choose pain, which would be the mm, I'm not going to go out tonight. I'm going to get to bed early. I'm going to wake up early. Waking up early is not easy. So that's mm -hmm. like a hard decision. But the but the pleasure on the backside, getting up early, going to the gym, having a productive day, doing all these things. So I think that the, the pleasure in the moment is the easy decision and the pain sucks. But if you can choose the pain, the more often you can choose the hard thing, the pleasure, the, like the byproduct is a life of total euphoria. And either way, it's up and down. So that's just a model I've tried to go by is choose the hard thing, choose the pain. Because if chosen pain, chosen growth feels way different than forced growth. And I learned that from Dane. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, that's very true. So I think those two things are two things that I'd want to share with, with anybody listening. Wow. That is awesome. Uh, I wish everyone could see this too, because even the, the hand gestures helped me understand <laughs> it that much better. But wow, what a great way to end this podcast that I haven't heard that before, but I absolutely agree with you 100% on that. Um, you know, pain and pleasure is inevitable, but if you can choose your pain, uh, the pleasure from it will be that much better. Uh, versus if you choose the pleasure, well, there's going to be pain on the back end with that. You know, everything, nothing's free. Everything has a, a consequence or a cause and effect. Yeah. And last on that too, the, the level of pleasure is almost always, there has to be duality in life. So the mm -hmm. lever of the, the level of pleasure almost always equals the level of pain. So likewise, the level of pain almost always will get to the level of pleasure as long as we're patient. So like choosing to, you know, uh, choosing the really hard thing of training for a marathon, well, the pleasure on the backside of that is once you finish it, like you, your half marathon, that euphoria of finishing the marathon. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Like that, that is the, that, like that's the mountain to all the valleys you had to go through, mm -hmm. you know? I think that's a fun way to live. 100%. Uh, no, I, I don't even want to say anything else because that is just such an amazing way to end this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Alex. Uh, I'll give you your, your flowers. Any other last plugs you'd like to make before you wrap up today? Hey, just follow along. Uh, really excited for the book I'm about to write. And it's really for the younger version of me. And it's for anybody who has ever felt like being a significant person is not for you. But it's also for the people that are chasing significance through social media likes or through fitting in. And it's just not actually giving you that fulfillment. I think the book is going to be really great for both crowds. And I'm, I'm, it's something I'm really excited about writing. So. And how can we follow you again? Alex.funk on Instagram and alexrfunk.com if you want to check out my website. Uh, you can subscribe to my dreams list stuff on there. So awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. Uh, you heard it, folks. Check them out um, on Instagram and follow along for the journey for the new book coming out. You got a sneak peek of what it's about today, but I'm sure there'll be a lot more wisdom once, once we get into it and start reading it. I'm just excited to see where, where the next five years take us. 
Thanks for having me, Jake. This is a great platform, great podcast. Appreciate being on. Thank you.